Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, are Sinn Féin a sure thing to lead the next government? As I was reading about the Sinn Féin Ardesh on Halloween weekend, I was struck by how the vibe was very much, there's an election around the corner and there's no stopping Mary Lou's rise to Taoiseach. What's notable about that is that there isn't an election around the corner. Well, one we know about anyway. There actually isn't one due until 2025. So are we going to have an over three year long coronation or could events happen to stop the rise and rise of Sinn Féin? It's been an incredibly interesting decade for the party, culminating in that huge electoral success it saw in February 2020. A pandemic or half a pandemic or a quarter of a pandemic later, and the poll numbers just keep getting better and better. We thought a time here at The Explainer to pause and take a look at what we can learn about Ireland by examining Sinn Féin's popularity and what has happened in the past few years. To do that, I'm joined today by our own political correspondent, Christina Finn, and Aidan Regan, Associate Professor at UCD and columnist for The Business Post, both of whom spent the weekend of the Ardèche writing about Mary Lou Macdonald and her party. Welcome to you both. Christine, I'm going to start with you because before we get into the Ardèche crack, let's talk about numbers. How has Sinn Féin performed in recent opinion polls? Well, Sinn Féin have actually been doing very well in recent polling. Um, an Irish Times poll put Sinn Féin at 32%. That was a 10-point uh, lead over Fine Gael, which were on 22%. And Fianna Fáil came in at 20%. Uh, recent Sunday Business Red Sea poll put Sinn Féin at 33%. And in fact, that was its highest ever level for the party in a Red Sea poll. So really, really good polling in terms of the party and probably something they didn't really foresee even a year ago. Yeah, Aidan, you've been writing about this for the Business Post. What Christina says there, other people in other parties are scratching their head. But what is the main driver of this popularity for Sinn Féin? Yeah, I think there's a a configuration of factors that's feeding into it. I mean, some are concrete, specific issues uh, and certain, let's say, economic grievances people have, uh, particularly in relation to housing and cost of living. So I think those those are key issues that, that have become salient and Sinn Féin have made, been very successful at making them very salient issues and politicizing them and keeping them in the media and keeping it on the agenda. So I think housing as an issue is clearly one that's likely to shape the next election. But I also think that there's probably a general sense of uh, the people want change, something different. So I, although I, you know, Sinn Féin are averaging 32% uh, in all polls that have been taking uh, across different uh, organizations since the 2020 election. I think a, a significant percentage of that is a borrowed vote. I would say it's very volatile. I don't think it's a Sinn Féin vote per se. I think it's largely, you know, we're fed up with Fianna Fáil, we're fed up with Fine Gael, and they've been around forever. And just look, things want, there's a sense that people want things to get better or to improve, and they're willing to um, to give Sinn Féin a chance to make that happen. Yeah, Christina, you were at that Ardèche that I talked about in my introduction at the weekend. And as I said, as I was reading your coverage and coverage in other outlets and uh, across television, I did get kind of that mood that it was just before an election and they were ready to be crowned. What was it actually like in the rooms that you were in? Yeah, well, obviously, this was the first Ardèche they've had in a couple of years because the pandemic has obviously put a halt to a lot of political parties getting their members in a room together. So it was definitely, I think, part and parcel of that, that people are actually just happy to be meeting face to face. But look, like the Sinn Féin Ardèche now, they're always quite a lively event, I would say, having gone to many of them over the years and also party conferences from Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. There is always seems to be a bit more energy at them. 
it might be because there's particularly a, a lot of young people at them. You'd be struck by a lot of different speakers, the diversity within the party as well. That particularly struck me when I was looking at some of the speakers. And also they bring energy along with them in terms of they also have like musical sort of interludes throughout the, the Ardeshna. So people might remember when Mary Lou Macdonald became a uh, leader and Michelle O'Neill was there. They played out there Ardesh with the song Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves. Today, uh, last week, they played out their conference to Les, Les Mis, Can You Hear The People Sing? So there always seems to be sort of a an undercurrent of a message they're trying to put out there. There is definitely, I think, speaking to people in the room, that they're bolstered, I think, by the polls. They think they don't really seem to be able to put a step wrong. But like speaking to a number of people even within the party, they are cognizant that the reputation they might have or is being played out is that they're promising a lot of things. They're, they are promising, you know, free childcare or free, you know, um, you know, rent subsidies and, and rent, you know, there's a lot of giveaways that they're promising. I think there is an attitude that they know they're not going to be able to deliver on everything that perhaps they're, they're saying they, they will if they ever got into government. But I, I suppose when you look back at other party conferences, be it Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil or, or the Labour, parties often make promises before they get into government that never materialise. And I think Sinn Féin will probably be no different in that respect. Was there a sense, like Aidan was saying there, that yes, we know that there has kind of been a change mandate from the public, particularly going into that 2020 election and afterwards, but what, is there a sense from the people there that it might be a borrowed vote? It's not a Sinn Féin vote. It's just an anti-Fine Gael, Fine Fall vote. I think initially that might have been the case when the poll numbers and and given that, you know, they did incredibly well in the general election. And even Mary Lou indicated that she'd been given somewhat of a slap on the wrist by her party members and not fielding enough candidates the last time around. And she was saying she heard that message loud and clear from the delegates over the last number of months that the next time around they will field more candidates in constituencies. But I think at the initial result of the general election, they had thought that perhaps it was a punishment to Fianna Fáil and, and Fianna Gael and, you know, the, the confidence and supply and people not wanting more of the same. But as I think the months have gone on, the government parties probably would have been looking to their COVID um, response and hoping that people would have rallied behind them and think that they were doing a good job and that would be reflected in the polls. But it just doesn't seem to be the case because um, housing, health, and as you said, the cost of living are the three main battlegrounds, I think, that is is bolstering these poll results. And I think the government parties know that unless they make a big dent in those over the next couple of years, they're only going to give more energy to Sinn Féin and to people that perhaps were saying that they would never vote for Sinn Féin unless some of those issues are on the way to being solved at least might well turn to, to give their vote to Sinn Féin the next time around. Yeah, even though health and housing are obviously the major issues at play right across the country for people, the thing that grabbed the headlines during the weekend of the Ardesh was Sinn Féin dropping its opposition to non-jury courts. Our non-jury court in Ireland is a special criminal court, and we could probably record a whole episode on that. But Christina, can you quickly explain the background to the vote at the Ardesh, the motion and the vote, and why it became a talking point around Sinn Féin? Yeah, well, so the Special Criminal Court is a three-judge court um, and it deals mainly with terrorist and organised crimes and there's no jury involved with it because it's basically trying to deal with jury intimidation and ensuring that courses, court cases get over the line. But this has obviously led to criticism from 
human rights groups such as Amnesty International, the civil liberties groups, and at one point Sinn Féin who were opposed to it. Mary Lou Macdonald there indicating at the beginning of the Ardesh that they were going to somewhat pivot out of their position that they've held for quite a number of years. And this is obviously, I think, a, a signifier that they mean business in terms of getting into government next time around, because in the last 2020 election, it really was something that both Leo Varadkar and Michal Martin continued to point at throughout the debates. Um, Michal Martin said that the it was on the instruction from the IRA old comrades, basically, that was holding on to the Sinn Féin view, but she said, you know, that it was not in their manifesto in the 2020. So they had been pivoting out of this position even before the election. I do think it kind of signifies that if that was ever going to be an obstacle for Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael to point at as to why they wouldn't speak to Sinn Féin the next time around in terms of government formation, they can actually point to that and say, well, look, we've dealt with that now. We're, we're moving more to the centre on, on that issue. I thought it was actually quite interesting at the, the party conference. Um, a number of Ogrish and Fane speakers actually got up to speak against the move away from, from the previous Sinn Féin policy. And one speaker I was quite struck by was not sort of speaking to the old Sinn Féin um, policy and perhaps the the crimes um, that are linked to republicanism that are dealt with the Special Criminal Court, but they were pointing to other courts around the world that are similar to the Special Criminal Court, such as um, the ones that were dealing with the crimes to do with the 9-11 attacks. A lot of criticisms about how they've been held over the last few years. And they were basically saying that they didn't feel that Ireland should be, you, you know, using a non-jury court at this point. And I, I thought that kind of struck me that that was the young sort of voters within the party. But Mary Lou Macdonald probably looking to the bigger picture here when she's pivoting out of that position and priming herself, I think, for government the next time. Yeah, Aidan, how significant a change will this be for the party in the next general election? Well, I think it will be significant. I think it's important, particularly for the optics. Uh, I mean, I think there is a large part of the electorate that would view Sinn Féin as soft on crime, uh, not just in terms of what happened in the past in terms of the North and the kind of the issue on the Special Criminal Court, but around criminality in general. Um, and I think that's something that that hurts Sinn Féin, particularly in its core working class constituencies, if it's perceived to be soft and antisocial behaviour and things like that. So Sinn Féin are trying to manage that where, where, where they are anchored in large parts of kind of urban and rural working class Ireland. They want to present themselves as a party ultimately that is there to, you know, continue with stability and, you know, support the police force, etc. And remove a lot of this antisocial behaviour. But then at the same time, if, you know, some previous members are, are up in front of the special criminal court, not because of IRA activities, but because of issues around gangland crime, it really looks bad. So the optics are really not good. So the fact that they can take a step forward and say, actually, we support this. And I would suspect that the narrative that they will generate in defense of their change is precisely to tackle organized crime. Uh, and because they will present it as a scourge on, on, on many of their communities, particularly in inner city Dublin, uh, which is very true. So I think it is very important. And I think the optics around it will be really uh, a key to Sinn Féin's ability to expand out its core electoral constituency. That viewpoint from Ogre Sinn Féin, though, that Christina talked about there, is that emblematic maybe of a wider, more liberal voting cohort that they have who might be disappointed that they're going against human rights organisations who do criticise the Special Criminal Court and courts like it, and they have used that argument in the past. Will they be disappointed by this change? 
I think so, but I think I don't think they will get their way. I think the leadership of Sinn Féin are very clear that they want to move away from this uh, and they see the bigger picture. So on the one hand, while it may be true internationally that having a special criminal court without juries is not exactly in line with, let's just say, the, the, the optimal way to organise particularly civic human rights issues, we are talking about a party that has a very troubled past. So Sinn Féin are not like other parties. Their relationship to this special criminal court is different uh, and therefore they will be treated differently to other parties. They will not be treated like the liberal wing of the Labour Party, for example, in terms of this issue because of their past. And I think the Sinn Féin leadership understand that. And Sinn Féin is clearly a broad church at the moment. It has very different factions. Uh, we can talk about this later on, perhaps. But, you know, many of those factions will be disappointed uh, when they go into government and I think the special criminal court is likely to be the less uh, the, the least issue if you like that is going to disappoint their younger voters I think it's issues around housing and economics and their ability to do a deal at the end of going to a coalition with Fianna Fáil for example that's more likely to 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 upset their their younger more activist uh, urban base for example but again they're a very broad church uh, but they're also quite a centralized hierarchical party and leadership will get their way on this. Before we get into too much crystal ball gazing over 2025 or whenever the election will be. Let's have a look back at 2020, Christina. Could we be having a conversation now about Fianna Gael or Fianna Fáil getting back into power if Mary Lou had actually run more candidates, like you said, she admitted to herself? Yeah, I think basically Sinn Féin learned from its devastating local elections the last time um, for the general election. Basically, they lost half of their, their council allocation at that point. I think they went back and, and looked long and hard at what went wrong there and delivered you know the most first preference votes um the last general election um i think taking 37 seats when they were 22 so there's no doubt about it that they'll be fielding more candidates the next time around in terms of the, the next election i think a lot of people looking back and reflecting on on the 2020 election within the Fianna Fáil party particularly will be wondering whether they should have bit the bullet and gone into coalition with Sinn Féin this time around, because there's no doubt about it that them joining forces with Fine Gael has done, some might say, unsurmountable damage to their own party and where they're standing on the polls, particularly, as I said, that Ipsos MRBI putting them at 20%. Would that have been a different case had they gone in with Sinn Féin this time? Perhaps putting stabiliser wheels, some were saying, within Leinster House might have been a good thing on Sinn Féin, you know, seeing how they go as a as a junior partner in government. Um, while now I think there's a lot of concern within Fianna Fáil at the moment that they may have actually just given the energy, sucked the voters out of their own party and handed them over to Sinn Féin for the next time around. Yeah, Aidan, is that true that in trying to prevent Sinn Féin from accessing power in 2020, they're actually handing it to them for 2025? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I remember I was... Uh on Virgin Media when the polls were announced on the on the night of the election. And, you know, the first thing that occurred to me was the numbers quite clearly suggest either a kind of Fianna Fáil Sinn Féin government or a Fianna Fáil Fine Gael government. There was really no way around it. Uh, and I had kind of thought to myself, well, basically, it looks like Fianna Fáil Fine Gael will go in together and then there's going to be competition for the kind of centre right block, if you like, within Parliament and who's likely to lead it. And that's in all probability, the votes in the polls would suggest Fine Gael uh, will do that. 
So strategically, it was quite clear, I think, to a lot of people that Fianna Fáil's better option uh, in the long term would have been to bring in Sinn Féin as the minority smaller coalition partner with Fianna Fáil and Taoiseach and, you know, for example, maybe in finance and given Sinn Féin housing. And I think, you know, again, very easy in hindsight to say that because, you know, it's clear that that would have been, I think, I think if you if they had pursued that strategy, it's very unlikely that Sinn Féin will be polling right now at 32 percent because they will be in government, they will be responsible for and they will be held accountable for and there will be an expectation that they deliver on key things like housing and in the middle of a COVID crisis with supply chain blocks, construction costs going up, it will be quite clear that they would not be able to deliver the promises that they are committing to. So I'd be pretty, I'd be fairly confident that vote would drop and what you would probably see is the smaller left parties getting a boost and Fine Gael would probably be about 33% in the polls. But look, that's not what Fianna Fáil pursued. The, the, the leadership of Fianna Fáil were quite clear that that was not something they were willing to do. Um, and I would be the question is would they be willing to do it after the next election but in all probability the numbers will be the other way around it will be Sinn Féin reaching out to Fianna Fáil and inviting Fianna Fáil into a coalition as a minority partner but no for sure I think if uh, I think in history will show that Fianna Fáil's decision to enter into coalition with Fine Gael which I think from a policy perspective makes sense because they are much more closely aligned has just simply opened up the space for a much clearer left-right divide in parliament which arguably is much more reflective uh, of public opinion and voter attitude. So in a sense, structurally, in terms of voter behavior, what we're observing is probably closer to the reality of how people think and feel and vote, uh, because basically the centre-right have come together to form a government. So you're kind of saying the party is in a really strong position now, but as I keep saying, it is a long way to 2025. How can it hold on to that position until there is actually an election? Yeah, no, very good point. I mean, I think you're, you're quite right to say it's, it's, it'll be a while. I don't think Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael are in a rush to have election uh, anytime soon. So I think they will see out the government. But I think because of the key issues that underpin the Sinn Féin vote and housing being the key one, that's not going to be solved in the next two or three years. That issue is going to get worse. It's not likely that private rents will fall. It's not likely that house prices will fall. It's not likely that there will be a sufficient construction of homes to even remotely match existing demand, particularly not affordable homes. So that issue is going to be central to the next election. Uh, and it's unlikely that the cost of living is going to fall in anywhere close to what will be required uh, in order to, to, to peop for people to basically have higher levels of local purchasing power. So those issues, I think, will feature in the next election. And as long as Sinn Féin pursued our very clear left populist strategy, which is very anti-establishment, and they keep banging that drum, and they are absolutely relentless about it, uh, I think they will end up uh, in, in a similar position to where they are at the mo uh, in the polls. I, I just I don't see that changing, maybe, you know, dropping here or there, but I, I just don't see the issues changing that much. But then, as, as Christina mentioned earlier on, when they are or if they are in government, uh, that's when the struggle will begin, because all of those promises that they will have committed to in order to maintain their popularity are very, very quickly going to fall. And the reality of governing a complex economy is going to hit home. And again, we don't want to spend this whole entire episode looking into a crystal ball, but how much of a challenge would it be for the party to actually solve the issues, particularly in housing? between the years 2025 and 2030? Or could we get to a point where we're actually more likely to be able to do that? Yeah, I mean, so there's there's no way uh, within a single term of office would Sinn Féin be able to deliver what they're saying in terms of the mass construction of public housing. I think what they will probably do in government is just, you know, be very clear. I think, I think a large part of their vote, let's say the kind of core 20%, which may end up become, which may be unwavering, 
will we'll give them time. They'll recognize, look, we've had Finnafal, Finnegale for X amount of years since the foundation of the state. Sinn Féin need time to, to, to basically have this paradigm shift in public policy, particularly around housing policy. So we're, we're willing to give them like another shot at government after after the next round. But there will be a core vote that, that will not be willing to, to, to accept that, I think. They'll want answers and deliverables in, in the present. But on housing, it's just like physically, like literally physically, it would not be possible to construct that amount of housing given the very constrained labor supply uh, and the labor market capacity that exists in the economy. So unless something radically changes structurally in, in the economy and in the labor market, it's just it's hard to see how they could do it. Uh, but, you know, I, I think if they signal and they focus on one or two issues that, that they're making progress and that they have broken the, from the Fine Gael, Fine Fall, profit, developer-led model, then, then maybe maybe voters will, um, will forgive them and give them time. But as you said yourself, this is a bit of kind of crystal gaze. You talk there about there being a more left-right divide now in the Oireachtas than ever before, and that being a reflection of the population or maybe is being reflected in the population, whichever way you want to look at it. I asked earlier about the liberal faction of Sinn Féin maybe being a bit more annoyed about the change in their thinking around the special criminal court. Are there other things that will end up upsetting parts of their base or or large cohorts of their support um, because of things that they may have to do in coalition in government or things that they will end up doing in government? Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, I think... You know, the left-right divide that we see, the kind of polarised left-right divide in Parliament is, is reflective, at least according to the research I've done with my colleagues and Stefan Muller, in, in terms of public opinion. There's a very left, clear left-right divide uh, in Irish society, and it's heavily influenced by unequal access to housing wealth and, and income in particular has become an important factor in explaining this kind of self-identification on the left and right. But there is a cohort of voters now who very clearly have a left-wing identity, uh, and they tend to be younger urban uh, voters in particular. But also, I think Sinn Féin themselves have articulated a very clear left-wing identity uh, in kind of the classic in urban, rural, working class communities. And this is quite different to what's happening comparatively in the rest of Western Europe. But I think, you know, if, for example, they signal things around carbon taxes and property taxes. So if it again, it depends on the coalition, depends on who they govern with. And I think this is an important aspect to it. But let's say that they did end up like not increasing carbon taxes and they didn't move on property taxes. That might actually satisfy some other voters, but it's also going to disappoint a lot of other voters too, uh, who, who would see that as giving up on a realistic kind of social democratic alternative. And it's just basically another Fianna Fáil uh, in government. So again, it's, it's going to be hard for them to do that. But I think as long as they're able to mobilize key rural communities, and this is where the other left parties simply can't, because this is where Sinn Féin are very successful. Uh, and there are different things to different parts of the country. I mean, in, in the border counties in the north, you know, and then in rural Ireland and Munster compared to what they're like in, in say, urban liberal Dublin. It, it, it's, it's a very different party depending on which part of the island you go to. And again, that's quite quite clear to that was that was central to explaining Fianna Fáil's success in the past. Are they going to be able to keep all those different factions together in government? I would say it's unlikely. Yeah, one of the things uh, that strikes us when we're watching uh, happenings in Leinster House, Christina, is how many of the Sinn Féin TDs aren't well known even to to us in the media because they were such green candidates going into the 2020 election. Does the party suffer a little bit from that or how are those new TDs who maybe didn't have a huge amount of political experience getting on in Leinster House since they got elected in February 2020? Well, I think it's interesting um, over the last couple of months, um, some people have been commenting that Mary Lou MacDonald is a little bit in the background, particularly over the summer um, and 
in the August month as well, where people were sort of wondering where she was. And you would have noticed a lot more Sinn Féin TDs out front and centre, be it on radio and television. Now, some people are saying that's a, a deliberate thing, that it, it's sort of testing the waters and, and pushing perhaps people that mightn't have the the experience of, of being out there on, on the media and, and, and sort of getting their, dipping their toe in the water, some might say. But yes, there obviously is a, a hugely impressive, I think, front bench with Sinn Féin when you look at Ono Bryn is completely over his brief in housing um pretty much knows every stat I think that is is thrown at him in the doll and Pierce Darty as well very impressive uh, on the finance side of things but yes there are other people I think in the background that you'll see being pushed out a bit more over the next couple of months just really to get them used to I think debate and public debate some might have said as well David Cullinan um earlier on in his career um, had a few wobbles um, in, in debates and obviously was caught out saying a few words that perhaps dented the party um, in terms of linking them to their Republican past. But he's often fr- out front and centre now and some people saying that he he's holding his, his brief quite well when questions are put to him in the doll. So I think it's very much, um, they might think, a, a front bench in training and Mary Lou MacDonald is just happy enough to sit back and, and only come out when necessary. And that strategy so far hasn't really um, hindered them or dented them in the polls. So whether that will change or not in the next couple of months, um, we'll have to wait and see. Does that come from Mary Lou being extremely confident in her own position? Like, is there any conceivable way that it'll be anyone but her leading the party into the next election? No, I think she's pretty much a safe bet um, in terms of definitely being the leader that's going to lead them into the next general election. She's very good, I think, in, in dual debates and, and leaders going up, particularly linking Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil together. She, she constantly references that Fianna Fáil has been in government for the last 10 years and Micheál Martin is always at pains to point out to her that they haven't, that they were in a confidence and supply. But she very much links that together that the two Tweedledee and Tweedledum, as she says, have been in power for a very long time and she's she's the change and, and her party is the change. So I think she's very well equipped, I think, to to go up against them. I don't think the party would be minded to to shift any sort of leadership challenge by any means. Um obviously there have been discussions within political circles who perhaps might take over for her and the the, the name that comes up most likely is Pierce Doherty. He's constantly at her right hand side. So if there ever was an issue, I, I'd say he would probably be the best bet in terms of taking over the reins. Aidan, we do have kind of evidence of Sinn Féin in government with the party's performance in Northern Ireland. Um, what can we learn from what happens in Stormont? I think all we can learn is that they're ruthlessly pragmatic. Although they have articulated a very clear left wing alternative to, as you say, Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, and they're clearly <clears throat> carving out that kind of leadership position within the left block of parliament. And their strategies are very much focused on economic conflict and socioeconomic grievances, and they stand for workers and families and, and so on. So the narrative, the story that they tell, I think resonates quite strongly uh, on the left. And, and, and that obviously is trying to target key communities, key constituencies amongst the voters. But in government in the north, they've been very, very pragmatic. Uh, and I think we'll probably my expectation would be 
that in government uh, in the Republic, that they would show a similar pragmatism. Uh, and I think once they begin to show that pragmatism, and uh, that's where perhaps a lot of the intra-stability that is quite clear at the moment, and that is quite remarkable, just how internally cohesive they are. You don't seem to note factions, breakaways. They keep a lot of internal discipline. They have a very united voice. They have a very clear, simple message. You don't hear voices breaking away from that publicly. Um, whether they can do that then in government is it will be interesting to see because I would expect that they will become uh, very pragmatic and, and much like Fianna Fáil of old, and they will do what is pragmatically necessary to stay in power and to, to remain uh, in government at the next election, the following election, that is. And that is something I think that, that does jump out from uh, political reporters and correspondents' point of view, is the the differing way of, of doing their business in terms of, you know, with Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil, there's almost the live tweeting of the parliamentary parties each week, um, particularly throughout the pandemic. And even some journalists there um, over the last week at the Ardesh saying, God, what day does even Sinn Féin hold their, their parliamentary party meeting? It's a very closed house. There's rarely dissenting voices coming out from within the party, even privately within the other government parties. You might often get a, a you know, messages or someone might say a slight uh, word against one of their party members or disagreeing with them um, or even throwing them under the bus in some cases. But that doesn't seem to be the case with Sinn Féin ever. So it might be a very different political landscape if and when they might get into government. Yeah, particularly if there are um, issues that come up and this is something that has happened in the north and just to go back to to northern ireland can you explain because it's probably the thing that has been has gotten the most attention down here is the recent controversy surrounding its vote on abortion there yeah i think that was the one that that really jumped out in terms of perhaps the the differing messages that can sometimes come from north and south um in the way they deal with their politics and some articles saying that the Sinn Féin were speaking out of both sides of their mouth when they were dealing with the abortion issue in the Republic and up the north. So basically it abstained on a vote of a bill that was seeking to ban termination in cases of, of non-fatal fetal abnormalities. Obviously Sinn Féin have came out pretty strong, um, Mary Lou, in terms of you know, putting out a message on, on where they stood on the whole abortion issue when we were having um, the referendum here and some saying that perhaps they're not putting their best foot forward in terms of that same strong narrative up the north. Obviously, it's a it's a different kettle of fish in terms of how they're dealing with it up there. With Westminster stepping in to deal with the with the whole issue um, due to the difficulties they were having with the DUP, but again, it does seem to be that that might be an issue that makes people question, I suppose, their strategy when it comes to issues of this importance. Finally, Aidan, will Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil go into government with Sinn Féin or what is the likely makeup if they do, say, get the 60 seats that are being uh, predicted right now? Yeah, I, I don't see Fine Gael going into government with Sinn Féin, no, not at all. And I think by that 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 in itself will, will suggest to you, you know, where, you know, the kind of 
the nature, the dynamics of parliamentary politics, electoral politics and party competition is in Ireland. Sinn Féin are on the left and see themselves as kind of showing kind of leadership on that parliamentary block. And, and Fine Gael will be probably carve out the, their, their position in the kind of liberal centre and uh, centre right position. And just, I just could not see Fine Gael and Sinn Féin doing a deal together. I just I just don't see it as feasible. Would Fianna Fáil pragmatically do a deal with Sinn Féin? I mean, I had thought previously that no, uh, that would not be the case. But then if you think about it strategically, it would obviously, if they were to go into government with, with Sinn Féin, I think it would it would be a leadership change to begin with. They'd have to change. I couldn't see it happening under Michal Martin. Uh, but if they did have a leadership change, I could see it happening um, because they would be confronted with the possibility of basically, you know, being in opposition with Fine Gael. Uh, and if it is indeed the case uh, that there's this kind of clear left-right polarization taking place in Irish politics, should Fianna Fáil would end up having to compete with Fine Gael and that kind of liberal centre-right ground, and and they and they won't win because that 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 vote will go much more strongly to Fine Gael. So then I think it would make sense for Fianna Fáil at that point to say, well, actually, we can kind of sell ourselves as the centre, centre-left, going into government with the left populists and Sinn Féin, basically to put manners on them, to mitigate their worst instincts and to ensure that there's political stability. Uh, and in that sense, I think you could quite imagine uh, Fianna Fáil entering into government with Sinn Féin. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I could see that as a realistic uh, possibility in the aftermath of the next election. Now, again, depending on, again, as you say, this is this is all, you know, hypothetical, but but if Sinn Féin do extremely well and they benefit then, of course, or sorry, their transfers benefit the smaller left parties, you know, you could possibly imagine a kind of broad left, centre left co rainbow coalition with Labour, with the Social Democrats, with Greens, with some independents. But then again, there's going to be serious compromise because there's no way uh, will those smaller left parties accept Sinn Féin's position on carbon taxes and property taxes and different things. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately, compromise will, will be the outcome. Um, but I could I, I could answer your question directly. I, I could realistically see Sinn, a Sinn Féin Fianna Fáil government, yes. Well, in saying all that, and I know I've said this already in this episode, but it might be over three years before we actually see the outcomes um, of these predictions you're making or the or the analysis that you've been giving us today. But thank you so much for coming in, Christina and Aidan, to talk to us at The Explainer. Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Christina and Aidan for joining us. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by producers Nikki Ryan and Aoife Barry. If you want to support The Explainer, there's a few things you can do. You can head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to become a monthly subscriber. You can also leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's actually a brilliant way to make sure other people can discover the podcast, listen to it and love it as well. Thank you and catch you next time. <laughs>